So I'm Adrian, one of the team here with you, and I want to start with two questions for you. you all right, with that, start with two questions. When you picture God, they're rhetorical questions, that means like just thinking ahead. When you picture God, what do you think of? What do you think of when you picture God? Maybe what he looks like, his character, what he's doing. What do you think of? Maybe you're here and you've now asked that question before. It's a good question. When you picture Jesus, second here, when you picture Jesus, what do you picture? When you picture Jesus, the Christ, what do you picture? I guess a third question could be, what you're picturing, does it have any likeness to reality? And that's a really important question, because <laughs> we could picture all sorts, but is what you're picturing anywhere close to reality? And if there was another sneaky teacher question in there, like the teachers tend to they start with one or two and keep adding, who says that the picture that you have is right or wrong? Who says? Who gets to say that the picture you have, it, well, yeah, that's, that's a bit of reality or, or not at all. Who gets to say? And that's where we start with Colossians today because Colossians was written to a people on the edge of what is now Turkey that, number one, the emperor says, well, I'm the deity. So if you were in that part of the world, the em- well, what's God like? Well, the emperor, he's the deity. And the other thing that that part of the world was, was rife with Gnosticism. Gnosticism means basically you look within to find God. And he's sort of what you make him to be. So you say, what's God to you? Oh, he's a bit like this. Oh, what's God to you? He's a bit like that. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's a, he's a bit like that as well. He's a bit, he, he's, he's like with the angels, with these holy people. He's not actually God. He's like God's messenger. So he could be what you'd like him to be. That's Gnosticism. It was rife then and it is rife still today. So Paul writes a letter and says, guys, you need to know what this Christ is like. So, this is what we're going to read. What is Christ, this God, like? And as we go through, as I've gone through this week, I thought, Lord, we so easily diminish who you are. So let these scriptures from Colossians 1 lift our eyes back. So friends, I want us to have a revelation of Jesus in truth and majesty. And the reality is it's not my clever explanation that's going to do it for you. It's a revelation of the Holy Spirit to our eyes of our heart. So you up to receive that? Lord, would you reveal yourself to me, to us today? Would you come as we read scripture that is truth 
Would it touch our hearts and open our eyes in a way that we have never seen you before? <clears throat> so let me read. Maybe if we can put the slide up as well. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, says Paul. So Christ, this God we imagine, he's the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, things like thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him, and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also he's the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow. So let's stick with some of those. Go back to the, the other slide there. Thank you. Okay, so Christ is the, he's the express image of God, the invisible God. Jesus is the perfect expression of the Father. Hebrews 1 says, He's the radiance and brightness of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being. So when you met Jesus, you met God. You didn't meet a messenger of God, you met God. When you saw him, when you knew him, you knew God. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. If you know me, you know the Father. John 1 says, No man has ever seen God, but God the one and only, Jesus, has made him known. Friends, there is no more perfect representation and revelation of God than Jesus. He's not a messenger. He's not a, a secondary source. He is God. Everything he says is God saying it. His words are the Father speaking. If you've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. And what's more, it says he's the express image of the invisible God. God is unknowable without Jesus. God is hidden without Jesus. We do not find God with our cleverness and our investigation, says Paul. You find God through Jesus. He's the way and the truth and the life, says John. You cannot find the truth of God yourself. If you have found any truth thus far, as I pray you have, you found it because Jesus has made himself known to you. Isn't it wonderful? The invisible God says, I'll reveal myself through you, my son. The truth of God's not hidden inside us. It's not somewhere I must discover the truth of God by looking within. I need some guru. Guru, no, you need Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You find truth through a revelation. Friends, as we, we are bombarded with messages of many gods, and what could God be like? The one place that we go to 
a good place to start is Colossians chapter 1. It's like mankind imagining, what could God be like? He might be like this, he might be like that. You need special glasses or special books. You have to be in special places. And Jesus shows up and says, look at me and I'll show you God. We think, no, it must be other ways. There must be other things to do. And Jesus says, look at me and I'll show you God. And Paul's saying, look at him. Then it says, he has the supremacy over everything, the firstborn. Now, this is where some cults get into a bit of a twist. The firstborn, okay, he's like, he's like a created part of God. Now, firstborn here, it's meaning, so in our royal family, you used to have the thing that if you're the firstborn son, like you get the goodies. And everyone else, well, you know, you get to clean up afterwards. But the, the firstborn son gets the goodies. And maybe that's like it in some cultures still today. What this is saying is Jesus gets the goodies because he, as if he was the firstborn son. He's not been created because it goes on to say all things were created by him. So Jesus is the creator, not the created. He's got precedence over everything just as a firstborn son would have in many cultures. Jesus is before all created things. He's of a completely different order to you and I. He's above creation. He created everything. He's not one of special beings. Okay, there's this one, there's that one. Oh, there's Jesus too. He is above all things. He made them all. He made them all. Everything has been created by him, says John. Remember this Gnostic heresy? Angels, were well, they mediators between God and man? Talk to your angel, find your angel. Paul's saying, whatever ranks of power you can come up with, Jesus made them. He trumps them. Whatever power or authority you can think of, we can think of, it will bow down to Christ. Political systems, national systems, spiritual systems, whatever system we think of, it will bow to Christ. Whatever curse or spirit has been told about, Jesus is greater. Some of us need to hear that too. Jesus is greater than any curse, any relational curse, anything that has been spoken over by a, by a tribal uh, witch doctor or anything like that. Jesus has broken those curses. He's greater. Are you with me? That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Maybe you thought Christianity was about behavior change. I try to be a good person like Jesus wants me to be. Following Jesus is about regime change. It's about complete regime change. Can you imagine how radical it was for Paul to write a letter where it says the emperor, he is God, and Paul says, no, he's not. This is Jesus. He's the one. He was imprisoned for it, ultimately. Or he writes this letter in prison. You see, everything was created for him as Lord. When you pictured Christ, when I asked you, what does Christ look like? Did you think of him as the creator? He's always existed. Everything was created by him and for him. He has always existed. Christ has always existed. There was never a time when he was not that's in one of the creeds. There was never a time when Christ, the Son of God, did not exist. 
He holds all of creation. How does he do that? Some of you have very clever medical minds. How does, how does he hold these germs and bacteria and cells so that we don't all fall apart? How does he hold the atom and the proton and the neutron and the quark and the, the other stuff? How does he hold it all together? Gravity and space and tiny minuteness. How does he hold it all together? Friends, the Bible says that it's not that God has just left this world to tick along and he's like an absent supervisor. He's holding you and I and this together at all times. If we took Christ out, the whole thing would collapse. We're not held together by some scientific... uh, People used to describe it as a cosmic watchmaker. He's left the clock ticking, but he's gone off now. I'll leave science to it now. I'll be back later. No, Jesus is holding all things together. And we remind ourselves that's not just the cosmos, but our lives and our politics lives and the UK and Nigeria. All things. He's holding all things together. And the wonderful thing, he's not stretched or challenged at the minute. He's not like stuck and think, this is not going as planned. He holds all things together. Your life too. But there's more. The other slide. This Christ the creator is also the head of the church. He's head of the church. This Christ has joined himself to, to you, to, our, to us. He's joined himself. He's the head of the church. Can we have the other slide, thanks, Victor, oh, Alex? This exalted Christ has joined himself. That means the energy that is in the head, he's the head of the church, flows to us, his body. Okay, that's what church is, the life of God flowing from the head to the body. He's the decision maker, he's the life source, but he's also the, he's the authority, but he's also the power in the church. That power is like what God used when he raised Christ from the dead. Now he's ascended and now he's head of the, over the church for everything. God places all things under his feet through the church. That's what Ephesians says. Remember Rob coming a couple of months back, speaking from Ephesians 1. God's placed all things under his feet for the church. Friends, we are the place where God is expressing his kingdom rule and through us. He's the firstborn. He's the beginning. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Christ is the first man that has died and rose again. Many people have have died and rose again, but Christ didn't say that a bit the right first of all. Christ has died like many people have and rose again like a few have, but none have ever carried on living. Okay, so Lazarus died and rose again, but he's now dead. Christ is the first one that died, rose again, and is still alive. Where And this is where it starts to get exciting because it's not just out there, some concepts, isn't it? Wonderful, Jesus Christ. Where the head has gone, so will the body also. Yeah? This is, if you like, the one thing that's gripped me all week. Where the head has gone... Where your head goes, so your body goes. Yeah? Where your head goes, your body goes. Where Christ goes, so the head, so too the body goes. 
Where Christ goes, so too the body goes. He's like a needle. Imagine a needle with thread going, pushing through a black cloth. Because Christ has passed through, guess what? So were the thread. And you and I are on the threads because we're part of the body of Christ. You're going to be pulled along. You are pulled along. We are pulled along because we're his body. He has, he's the first. He has supremacy in everything. He is not co-equal with any other gods. Jesus Christ reigns supreme. It's not the emperor. It's not any system that is Lord. Christ is ruler over all the cosmos. And you and I will get to see that in eternity expressed in a way that at the minute we think, how could that be? Because at this time we can't see it. And in fact, it looks like the opposite. How can it be? Because he is declared Lord and King, we also will be taken and caught up with him. Let me ask you, do you recognize this preeminence? I ask myself, do I recognize and receive his preeminence? At all times, in all places, and in all ways. Is the kingship of Jesus something you have acknowledged? Is it something you know about? Well, it doesn't really touch my life, Adrian. Is it something that we continue to live with? See, believing in Jesus, biblically, does not mean, oh yeah, I made some confession a long time ago. Believing in Jesus is an ongoing trust, living each day, right, you're the king today. Whatever you decided a long time back, is, is he king today? Is he your king and my king today? Am I believing in Jesus, your saving work of authority in my life today? That's the question that Paul is asking us. He's showing us the vastness of the reign of Christ. Since he feels everything, since Christ feels everything, if you are in Christ, you have received everything too. wonderful gospel friends I don't know how to explain it better Lord reveal it to us it's like you and I have been given the keys of heaven in Christ because Christ has been given the keys friends we're not spectators we're not people that can look through the window and think what is it like you have been given entry to all of eternity the kingdom of heaven on earth through Jesus. You are inheritors. Do you know that? I think that's good news. Some of you are still feeling upset for Gary Lineker, I know, but let's be excited. Let's be excited for Jesus and what he has given us. See, there's no other plan, no other saviour, there's no other Lord, yes, but if you are in Christ, you are in him and all that he has purchased. It says here, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Son, I'm pleased to have all my fullness dwell in you. Where are you and I in that? 
If you're a follower of Christ, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. So the Father says, I'm pleased to have all my fullness dwelling in you, son. And that includes you, Hannah. That includes you, Corinne. That includes you, Peter. He's pleased to have his fullness dwelling in Christ and spill over into your and my life. It's not like, Jesus, keep that bit of fullness separate from them. Why is it that we live like that? That the fullness of God, well, it's come to him and them, but it's a bit separate from me and us. No, the resurrection and ascension of Christ says that he has poured out his fullness. The Father has poured out his fullness and it dwells in him. And that's where you and I live. Is it coming through? That's, the fullness of God is spilling over and touching our lives because we live in him. God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. Do you know what reconcile is about? It's bringing us back into relationship. Imagine two people, they've fallen out, they have separated, they've turned their back, they have, there's a sense of one's walked away, rejected. Through Jesus, his death on the cross and his blood poured out, God ran after the one that walked away and rejected you and I. And says, I want you back in relationship. That's what he's done. He's called you and I back to himself. One of the, uh, one of the ways we're brought in Christ, he's reconciled us. He's also forgiven us and he's justified us. But he's reconciled. He's brought us back into relationship. He's brought you into relationship with Christ where his fullness dwells. Through the blood of Jesus. He delights in you as he delights in his son. He delights in you. He delights in you as he delights in his son. So much so that Christ delighted. He delighted to make peace with God through his own death. Get that. So here's the, imagine this cosmic creator... The fullness of God's dwelling, power and majesty, the ascended. He's reconciling all creation back to himself. How does he do it? How does the glorious creator reconcile you and I? By coming as a servant, emptying himself, humbling himself, becoming last in the line, even to death on the cross, obedience. This glorious head of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead says, I'll come and serve you. What humility. So here's the real thing, I think. This Jesus that Paul refers to and speaks of, he's nothing like we imagined. He's vastly superior. He's vastly superior to anything we can imagine. The fullness of God doesn't look like overwhelming power and awe even. The fullness of God looks like a saviour who stripped and brutally struggling for breath, pouring out his blood. The fullness of God doesn't on the surface look like triumphalism, 
but it looks like humility and a death and brokenness. That's the fullness of God. Jesus Christ, crucified, humbled. Lord, have mercy. And then Christ descended into our world. He received mockery and derision, flogging and death. You can read it in the Gospels. And as he did so, he was doing it to win you back into this relationship where you could know this for yourself. If you belong to Christ, you've been placed in this. Can we go back to the other slide? If you belong to Christ, you've been placed into this story. Yes, we marvel at it, but you've been placed into it. If you're a follower of God... Jesus has placed you into this. This is what it means. Everything that is his is ours. Everything that is his is ours. His destiny is our destiny. His Blessing is our eternal blessing. What does Paul say? Ephesians, thanks be the God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. His glory is our glory. His death, what does it say? Paul says if, you, if you've been baptized, you've been buried with Christ. We've died with Christ. And if you've died with Christ, you will be raised with Christ. His death is our death. It's already counted against us. Friends, if you are in Christ, you've already died. And one or two of you maybe this morning have. (laughs) Cheeky. If you're in Christ, you've already died. You've already died once. That's what Scripture says. You have died with Christ. And if you've died with Christ... Because he rose, guess what? And you will rise with him. You have risen with Christ. That new life has already started. Our bodies are catching up with it and our spirits are saying, I'm trying to keep up and understand. But we have already been raised with Christ. And our bodies then going to catch up. Our physical death, our bodies are going to catch up. What was made for his glory has been made for ours too. His victory is our victory. There's no other victory. His victory is our victory. Let me finish with this. Through no activity of your own, through no activity of any of us, you've been placed into this glorious resurrected Christ. You've been placed. The grace of God says, oh, I'm going to envelop all of you and draw you into my life the triumphant and this ruler of the cosmos says, you're mine and you get to share in this. And he is pleased as pleased could be. He's not scratching his head or doubting. Therefore, nothing can touch you 
that does not touch him first. Picture this with me. There's a circle. Picture yourself in a, a circle. You're in the circle. Around you, it's, there's an invisible wall. Okay? There's an invisible wall around you. But it's impenetrable. It's like bionic perspex. Nothing can get through it. There's a sphere of impregnability around you. Right around you. Except it's not a circle. It's a person. Because we are in Christ. Friends, let's be found in Christ. Not having a bit hanging out of Christ. Lord, I want to match all of you. I want like trying to get my shape to fit your shape. Would we fit together? Flush. Lord, I want to be found in you. And the way we enter that is we die to ourselves and say, Lord, would your life live in me? I surrender to you. And we find then he places us in Christ. And if Christ is the image and exalted over everything and we're in Christ, we have this wall around us. The creator has caught you up into his protection and we are here to stay. Friends, we don't, he doesn't drop us. Oh no, where's Hannah gone? I've dropped her. No, you are held. You're held in him completely by everlasting arms. We do have storms of our little existence, sin and suffering, failure, faltering. We mess up. But guess what? He says, I will overshadow you all the way to glory. I'll overshadow. And actually, whatever mistake you made, whatever failure you come up with, my grace and covering will always trump your failure. So don't get hung up on all this failure stuff. Get hung up and celebrate on all my grace stuff. Know that I will bring to completion what I've started in you an open door. Let God fill our lungs. He's not just with us. He's in us. Okay, strip away the skin. Strip away the other stuff. Keep burrowing down. And in there, you... If you're in Christ, Christ is in you. That's what scripture says. You have union with Christ. He is one with you and you are one with him. There's a oneness with Christ in me. Wherever I go, Christ, you'll go. And I'm in you. Wherever you go, I go. Whatever victory you declare, I receive. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over creation, the creator, the sustainer, the reconciler of heaven and earth, and the fullness of God dwells. That's the God I love. That's the God I want to know. That's the God who's won my heart. Let's pray. how could it be that one so poor should be made so rich by you the rich one becoming so poor and making yourself so nothing death on the cross crying out for us my God where are you 
that we would find the life. Our water would be turned to wine. Our bodies know a touch of God. That our eternity, not hanging on a thread, but secure and strong, that all things will be brought together under him. That our attendance at a church is not just something to do on one day of the week, but it's participating in a body that has ascended, held together by Christ, the pre-existent, one who has preeminence. Lord, you give us dignity. You give us hope. You fill our lives with meaning and purpose. Would you come upon each of us now? I pray for each of us that we would know the strength and vitality, Lord, of you in us. Lord, the hope, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come, Lord Jesus, strengthen us as open door. And all your purposes, Lord, across this planet, strengthen. Let God arise in us. Lord, I just pray for any of us. We are separated. We feel outside. We feel I've lost the way that you, the good shepherd, would find us. You'll find us. Lord, even if we don't know where we are and how come I've got here, I don't know which way is up anymore. Lord, thank you that you find us. You reconcile us through your blood. If that's you, you think, I'm lost at the minute. I've lost the plot. I'm not even sure, is it Jesus? I was once so sure of him. I'm not sure anymore. Or maybe I've never been clear, never received Christ like you talk of him, Adrian. Like Paul writes in Colossians. You say, Jesus, I want to be found in you. Thank you that you look for me. Here I am, I surrender. Friends, you don't need to climb out of anywhere. He will climb down and find you. Lord, find me. In my confusion, find me. In my doubt, find me. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Maybe at the moment, at this moment, it's a holy moment for some of you. It's not a particularly quiet moment, but it's a holy moment. God's doing business. It's almost like God would speak to you as he spoke to Moses and say, Moses, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. And so as we finish for coffee and some go up for the kids and the youth, just invite you to stay where you are. I think I need to meet with God. Just take opportunity for a few minutes to meet with him, to get right with him. If you want someone to pray and it helps, just come over to this side. 
and we'll find some people to pray with you, for you. But God bless you.